they've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Amen. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Here we are again. Yeah, back again. <laughs> back together and we're going to do a little Bible study here. I love it. We're going to ask the angels to give us some light here in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth. Pleni sunt celi et terra, gloria tua, Hosanna in excelsis. Benedictus qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. Well, we have this reading here today. Short one, but it's powerful. Real short. And uh, a reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. It's Luke 8, 19 through 21. Real three, just three verses. The mother of Jesus and his brothers came to him, but were unable to join him because of the crowd. He was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside and they wish to see you. He said to them in reply, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and act on it. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So is, is Jesus there saying that he doesn't have blood family and his blood family counts for nothing? Is he saying that his, his mother, his, the woman who bore him, is, is nobody and nothing? Is he denigrating her? And it's interesting because some people look at this passage and they get those ideas. Sure they do. Um, Jesus was really human. Now, he wasn't a human person, but he was a human being. Yeah, make the distinction. And so he came from the line of David. I mean, this is part of the reality of who the Messiah was. He had to come from the line of David, from the tribe of Judah. He's a real human being who took to himself a human nature and was connected to real people. You know what? Hmm. Jesus had a belly button. You think? Bishop Sheen once said that if you don't think you're connected to the past, (laughs) check and see if you have a belly button. You are connected to the past. And Christ was connected to the line of Judah. Go back and read his genealogy. There's something about Jesus that we know, right? He was a perfect man. He was a sinless man. He did the Father's will in everything. Well, if he was perfect and sinless, did he keep the Ten Commandments? Of course he did. He must have, right? Well, what's the fourth commandment? What was that commandment now? Mother, baby, mom and dad. Something about honor your father and your mother. That's right. As a matter of fact, to honor, bestow glory upon your father and your mother. Okay? So Jesus not not only obeyed Mary and Joseph, those were his parents, he kept that commandment perfectly. He bestowed glory upon them. So Jesus is not denigrating his mother or putting aside. But what is he doing? He's elevating all of us in himself, that all of us come to share in his life. And when we come to share in his life, we become part of his family. We become one with him. So this is not an exclusive thing. This is an inclusive thing. And the reality is, is we're going to be part of his family. How? How is it that we become part of his family? Those who hear the word of God and act on it. Those who hear the word of God and act on it. It's not enough. Remember, Jesus said, it's not enough to say, Lord, Lord. Many will come to me saying, Lord, Lord, you worked miracles, you know, in our presence. And, and, and he'll say, I never knew you. Why? Because you didn't really act on my word. You heard my word, but you didn't hear it. It didn't become the, 
the, the catalyst to change your life and help you to give up everything that was keeping you from drawing close to me. And everything that's keeping us from drawing close to him is, first of all, our sins. And then second of all, all of our attachments to worldly things. So we will be his mother and brothers when we hear the word of God and act on it. Can't hear the word of God if we're not listening, number one. That's right. So if we're too surrounded by noise, by the way, this is one of the things about, you know, people ask questions all the time about entertainment. So what shows can I watch and what shows can I watch and what music should I listen to? And what me- You know what? Is it drawing you closer to God or taking you away? That's the question you got to ask. Is it helping you to read the scriptures every single day? Are you taking time out of your entertainment? And we weren't made to be entertained. That's not what we're here for. That's not what life is about for human beings. We weren't made to be entertained. And entertainment doesn't bring us happiness. It brings us momentary titillation. That's why you're so empty. And the more you get of it, the more you think you need, because the emptier you are when you're done with it. Fill up your time with studying the word of God and serving your neighbor. What did Jesus say? Do not tell, what did John say? Excuse me, through, Jesus said it through John. The Holy Spirit says it through John in his letter. Do not tell me you love the God you do not see when you hate the neighbor you see. We will show our love for God in our love for our neighbor, in our service for our neighbor. Mm. So Jesus here is telling us that we become his brothers and sisters, his mother, When we hear the word of God and act on it, we need to act on it. We need to carry out what God has inspired in our heart. And what we read in the word of God, we need to imitate. I think of the old saying, it depends, anything good that you learn, you get depends on your ability to apply it. So just the very fact of reading the gospel, but not implementing it, isn't good enough just to read it. We have to put it into practice. Right. Mary, talking about putting it into practice, I just want to... I have to say, I apologize. I, I missed half of Jesse's show, <laughs> and I'm being pulled away from your show. Uh, it's uh, not intentional. It's just that um, I'm on boards on different organizations, and people call me away for you know these meetings. But I want to just say this. Last week was your you're starting up your Bible study. I want to make sure people know that. Yes. Because uh, I'm getting calls as of yesterday. Hey, is Mary still doing a Bible study at the chapel? Yes. The answer is yes. <laughs> Tuesday at 7 p.m. and also on Thursdays for those who don't want to go out at night. Right. One o'clock in the afternoon on Thursdays, the Bible study will be going. So if you are in the Southern California area and you want to come, this is your invitation right now. Amen. Come on. Come on down. And it's very similar to what you do on the radio, too. It is. We have more time. On the Bible study, we have more time. And we don't have to. We're not under a clock. We don't have to take the uh, commercial breaks and stuff. People can ask questions. So um, we do the Bible study there in the chapel in the presence of our Lord. So we ask our Lord to help us to understand more. Well said. Yeah. And uh, we also have um, other events coming up. Oh, my gosh. Well, the the chapel. You know what I was going to say? Just go online to the virginmostpowerfulradio.org. And under events, our next one is the Spiritual Warfare Conference. And I'll just take a minute here because, folks, people are registering faster than ever. And just a quick note, tomorrow, Dr. Louis Sandoval, who is a doctor, medical doctor, but works with the team in, in the Orange Diocese on exorcisms, he's going to be our guest on the Terry and Jesse show tomorrow. Oh, and it is going to be amazing. So I want to encourage everybody to go to Virgin Most Powerful Radio to register or call 877-526-2151. But on Saturday, I'll be there. I'm just one of the... You know, people in the pew watching because two of our radio hosts from Virgin Most Powerful 
Eddie Chavez and Ruben Nava are going to be giving a presentation on the Feast of St. Michael the Archangel. And we have Mass at 9 a.m. And then following the talks, this is something that uh, is for men especially, but women can come too. And the, I like the title, In the Strength of Christ the King, Under the Bright Banner of Our Lady, From What the Serpent Flees. That's their theme. So it'll be spiritual warfare for uh, the St. Michael group. This is the group, Mary Danielle, you know, that comes to the church every Saturday morning at 6.30 to pray their prayers of spiritual warfare, their rosary. And so I would encourage anyone, men or women, to show up early on Saturday mornings at 6.30 uh, to pray with these men. They're still going to do their prayers before the conference. Right, right. So that's what's happening quickly at, on Saturday. And then, of mm-hmm. course, we have lots of other events scheduled for the new year coming in soon with Father Joe Fessio coming. We have so much more coming this year on conferences. We want to feed you with some good material so that it'll build up your faith. And by the way, Mary, anyone who's a monthly donor, $25 or more, mm-hmm. guess what? They get all the recordings of the conferences. Awesome. We, may, we, we email those to you so you can download them. And that's our way of saying thank you for being a monthly supporter. So if you like what we do, whether it's you know Gary Machuda's show, whether it's Jesse, Jesus 911, The Bible with the Barbers, Oh, gosh, the happy hour with Matt Arnold, Dr. Ed Mazza, the Bar of History. All these, plus Dr. Um, uh, what's her name? Barbara Nicolosi, <laughs> couldn't think of it real quick. Her shows, these are all live shows that cost money to produce them. Yeah. And with your support, that's how we put out such wonderful programming. So let's get back after that big, long commercial of Terry. There you go. And what we want to do here today, I, our question of the week, mm-hmm. someone had asked about Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, and somebody, somebody has also asked about different you know, TV shows that we can watch and yeah. things. And I kind of touched on that in my little commentary here on, on the Gospel of Luke for today. Mm-hmm. But I really want to delve into this for, you know, we'll start in this section and finish it up in the next section. But sure. just the reality, you know, when people ask those questions, you know, is it okay to play Dungeons and Dragons? And I think one of the questions, I was reading a book recently mm-hmm. by Dr. Edward Shree, oh, and it's called, Who Am I to Judge? Yeah. And I would suggest that everybody get that. Um, the reality oh, being that uh, there's a question that very few of us ask anymore. Uh-huh. Um, and he points out, he said, when we talk about ethics, people think about the big questions. You know, is it okay to murder or not? Is abortion okay or not? Is it okay to commit adultery? But he said, actually, ethics, when you get right down to it, if you get back to the classical meaning of ethics, ethics is about what is the person I want to become? Have I asked myself recently, what kind of person do I want to be? Do I want to be a person who's, who is reliable, mm-hmm. who is honest, who is upright, who is virtuous, who can be trusted, who can be depended on? Is that the kind of person I want to be? Well, I'm not that person yet. I'm in the process of becoming that person. Mm -hmm. And so every single choice I make every single day either takes me closer to that goal or further away from that goal. Mm -hmm. There's no standing still. No middle ground. I'm either going towards the goal or away from the goal. So what sort of a person do I want to be? And that's a question we need to ask. Now, unfortunately, if I come up with an answer that, oh, I want to be someone who's dishonest and I just am known for all the money I make and it doesn't matter how I make it, Uh, Maybe we better do some deep soul searching, but we're going to talk more about this ethical question. And then how does that, what does that have to do with scriptures and playing Dungeons and Dragons? (laughs) Wow. I got to hear that. That's a good teaser. Get yourself a cup of coffee or some tea if you're a tea drinker or just water. When we come back, we'll have more answers regarding the Bible 
on Bible with the Barbers. We'll be right back. Welcome to our January 11th, 2020 Spiritual Warfare Conference. Every year without fail, this is our most popular, well-attended event. This year's Spiritual Warfare Conference will host Adam Bly, a Catholic demonologist, and an auxiliary member of the International Association of Exorcists, along with Dr. Luis Sandoval, a psychiatrist who's part of the Healing, Deliverance, and Exorcism team for the Diocese of Orange. These two gentlemen bring tons of experience and expertise in the area of spiritual warfare. This is going to be a high-information Catholic seminar. I'll be there as well, sharing some riveting stories on the diabolical and liberation found through Jesus Christ from my best-selling book, The Devil in the City of Angels. Mark your calendars, come and join us, and meet other radio hosts from Jesus 911. Contrary to popular belief, spiritual warfare is not demon-centered. It's Christ-centered. Come join us and learn how to armor up and fight the good fight of faith. Catholics, wake up. Don't hit the snooze button. Join us at St. Christopher Catholic Church, 629 South Glendora Avenue, West Covina, California, on January 11, 2020. See you then. Strength and honor in Jesus' name. In 1 Corinthians 13, 13, St. Paul says, So there abide faith, hope, and love, these three. According to St. Ignatius of Antioch, faith is the beginning and love is the end. And God is the two of them brought into unity. Then comes everything else that makes up a Christian. May God grant that we may attain all the virtues that make for authentic followers of His Son. or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites the Terry and Jesse Show, and they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Well, welcome back here. And we're going to be talking here about what kind of people do we want to be? What is ethics here? And how does this apply to the Bible? Well, here's there, should I say, how does the Bible apply to ethics? Yes. <laughs> Which came first, exactly. the ethics or the Bible? <laughs> well, actually, the Bible was written after the ethics because the ethics came with the creation of man. Yep. So how do we know? What, it, what is the basic um, premise on which we can found everything? Well, you know, it's funny. St. John Paul II taught us something. Always go back to the beginning. What happened in the beginning? In the beginning, God made them. And how did he make them? Male and female, he made them. Mm-hmm. But he made them in his own image. In the divine image, he made them. Male and female, he created them. And so God made man and woman in the beginning in his image. So mankind, man and women, men and women are created in the image of God. So everything that we do should reflect something of God. So the question is, what am I doing in my body that reflects God? 
Am I living in my body in a way that reflects God? Or am I living in my body in a way that reflects the attitude of Adam and Eve when they sinned? Mm. They, de- they wanted to decide for themselves what was good and evil. So they took the, the fruit from the tree of good and evil yeah. that God had told them not to, t- not to eat. Mm-hmm. They took it and ate it. They wanted to decide what was good and evil for themselves. But you see, we didn't make ourselves. Again, do you think you have, you're connected to the past? Do you have a belly button? You didn't make yourself. None of us has the capacity to make another human being. When men and women co-create in union with God through the marital act, through the conjugal embrace, which is supposed to be in marriage because the child deserves to have a, a loving family to, to raise them and nurture them. We co-create. We don't create. Only God can make an immortal soul that he infuses into the human person. You see, the human person is not just a body. He's not just an animal. And he's not just a soul, an immortal soul. He's not just an angel. He's not just a spirit, okay? The human person is the composite of body, soul, and spirit. He has a body that's real physical, that he shares characteristics with the animals, but he has an immortal soul. He shares characteristics with God. He has an intellect and a will. He can know the good, God, and he can choose to love or not to love. But to choose not to love, and remember, we're responsible for our choices. And to choose not to love is to reject God and is to decide what is good and evil for myself. And that creates problems. If you don't think so, go back to the beginning and read how it was in Genesis before Adam and Eve sinned and what became of them after they sinned. Right away, man and women, man and woman, Adam and Eve no longer saw each other as persons to be loved. As soon as they sinned, they now saw each other as objects to be used or commodities to be bought and sold or, or uh, toys to be played with or I can manipulate you to get my own way. But that's not how God made it in the beginning. So if we want to know what it's like, what did God intend us to be? He intended us to live in his image as persons, as persons in relationship to one another. By the way, these games and, and, and you know, people, are we, are we buying into the lie that we're just here to be entertained and be titillated seven days a week, 365 days a year? You know, it's like, okay, I'm going to go to work. Well, not, not, three, not, not all day, all, every day, because I have to work. Obviously, I have to work to have a, you know, I have to eat and I have to have a place to live and I have to have clothing. To buy my, so I can't be lazy because if I'm lazy, I'm not going to have those things. And so I need to work hard. And when I work hard, then I get paid. And then all my time that I'm not working, then I can do anything I want. Mm-hmm. Really? That's not what you were made for? You know, Mary, what you said earlier about your free will. Yeah. Filton Sheen says the only value in saying yes to God is you have the freedom to say no. Right. And I would just say time management is essential because we only get so many breaths of air. That's right. Last time I looked, there's an expiration date on that birth certificate. Absolutely. We're going to meet God. Absolutely. So here's my question. It's more of a, you know, just reality to say, what am I spending my time that God has given to me on this planet? Right. Am I using it to for his praise and honor and glory? Right. Or I have the freedom to say, for my pleasure. Yeah. Are you kidding me? That's as simple as it gets. Right. Yeah, I'm simplifying it. Yeah. But really, that's what it comes down to. God is not going to force you. No, he's not. To choose him. Exactly. He will not force you. And that's it. 
each person has to decide for themselves right. whether they're going to follow God or not. And, and how is it that we know we're supposed to be praising the glory of our the God? Bible says it. Well, look at Ephesians. <laughs> Ephesians 1, 3 through 14. Yeah. And in there, St. Paul tells us that we were made. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. He destined us in love to be his sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he freely bestowed on us in his beloved. And so it is through Christ that we have redemption and we were made to be a praise of God's glory. So that's one of the passages you want to read and meditate on. What kind of a person do I want to become? This is the kind of person you were made to become. This is what God intended. Read Ephesians 1, 3 through 14. And then there's some others. We have Philippians 2, 5 through 11. And in Philippians 2, 5 through 11, we are told, if I can find it here, there it is. Mm -hmm. We have to put on the mind of Christ. What? Yeah. That's it. Paul is telling us to put on the mind of Christ. And what was the mind of Christ? Who, though he was God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in the likeness of men and being found human in a state. He humbled himself, becoming obedient unto death even to death on a cross. So again, what kind of persons are we supposed to be coming? We're supposed to be a praise of God's glory because we have been redeemed in Christ and we're supposed to be an image of Christ and we're supposed to put on the mind of Christ. People, all of those out there who think they can play Dungeons and Dragons, mm-hmm. does playing Dungeons and Dragons help you praise the glory of God's name? Does it help you put on the mind of Christ? If it doesn't help you do that, it's taking you away. So you need to, and it's the same with any, any music you listen to, any entertainment you watch. And believe me, we have an infinite capacity for deceiving ourselves. Oh yeah. So be very careful, but read these passages in the scriptures and get down on our knees and ask the Lord Jesus every day, Jesus, what in my life is keeping me from drawing close to you? And believe me, I've done that. And sometimes we don't recognize the answer right away. Sometimes we ask God that question and it takes us a while to get the answer. Um, He gives us the answer and we don't get it for a few years. (laughs) You know, Cardinal Seurat wrote a book, as you know, Mary, I've been reading it. The day is now far spent from Ignatius Press. Awesome. One of the little comments I read to you last night, what you're saying. Yeah. He says to believe means to entrust oneself to God and to his merciful love. A love that always welcomes and forgives, sustains and orients life and proves the powerful in its ability to strengthen out our distortions in our story. Faith consists of our willingness to let ourselves be transformed again and again by the call of this God who continually repeats these words to us. I love these words. Return to me me. with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, what? Yep, and with mourning, tear your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, return. for He is gracious and merciful. Right from Joel chapter return, two. Return, return. Yep, but our return to the Lord, our genuine conversion by a loving response, 
for a new covenant with him must be made in truth and in incarnate way and not just a theoretical or theological or canonical way. We are not that we are not that different from the people of the first covenant. Do you realize what he just said? Exactly. There's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new under the sun. And God is still calling us to return to him. He called his people. He made Adam and Eve in a state of grace. Yeah. And they let their trust in him die in their heart and they sinned because they wanted to decide for themselves what was good and evil. Yep. Yep. And then he makes a covenant with Noah. Mm-hmm. And Noah's one of Noah's sons right away sins as soon as they get very quickly after they and get off the ark. He's falling into sin. Right. And then on and on it goes. You know, you have Abraham and you have and everybody goes and they God is calling him into this covenant relationship. And yet they keep failing. And, yeah. you know, you have David and then David falls. And, and then but then the Messiah comes. And Jesus didn't fall. Nope. He is God, man, and he did not sin. He's like us in all things but yeah. sin. But he knows what it means to be human. He knows what it means to live in a body and struggle day in and day out and to sweat <laughs> and mm-hmm. to, to, to have to live on this earth and to have to wait for God's time. Yep. You know, to, he, he was 30 years of a hidden life. Amazing. He spent three years of his public life. So that that waiting on God and returning to the Lord, returning to the Lord, returning to the Lord and repentance. And does the mercy of God, does God just say, oh, well, you know, you weren't sorry for what you did. And but that's okay. I forgive you anyway. Mm. Doesn't work that way. We have to repent of our sins. And again, to meditate on these passages from the scriptures so that we understand how is it that we're supposed to be? How is it that we're supposed to live in Colossians? Paul tells Colossians one, mm-hmm. nine through 20, Paul tells us. To lead a life worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God Mm -hmm. and the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Mm -hmm. And may we be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. And go on and read that passage and study it and meditate on it. What does it mean to be made in God's image? What does it mean to now be sons of God in the Son, in Jesus Christ? What does it mean that God is calling us, return to me with all your heart, rend your hearts and not your garments, give up your sins, repent of your sins. And you know what, if you're not, if you're still, it's like, you know, St. Augustine in his uh, I don't know if you ever read the confessions, the confessions of St. Mm-hmm. Augustine, but you should. And here's the deal. He says, um, Lord, make me chaste, but not just yet. St. Augustine <laughs> had a concubine. He, you know, he had lived, a, he hadn't been baptized. He wasn't baptized till he was 33. Mm-hmm. And so he lived a pagan life. And then, you know, he's, but he was searching for the truth. Yeah. And his mother was praying for him like crazy. So moms don't give up praying. You know, moms and dads, Amen. get out there and pray for the Get down on your knees and pray for those kids. Amen. All of our kids. We all need prayers. There's none of us that are exempt. The church is being torn apart by sin, by dissension. Our families are being torn apart by sin and dissension. Our children are being tempted to turn away from the Lord, to turn to a life of debauchery, to turn to the lies that the world has given them. And how do we know these are lies? Well, in... Read the scriptures, but in Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 4, finally, brethren, we beseech and exhort you in the Lord Jesus Christ, that as you have learned from us how you ought to live and to please God, just as you are doing, so do so more even now. And I'll have to finish this after the break. So don't go away because you want to hear this. 
We want to know how it is we're supposed to live in the Lord and how we're supposed to behave like God as his very dear children. And that's the whole purpose of Virgin Most Powerful Radio, to have people conform their lives to Jesus Christ. And we'll do more of that when we come back on Bible with the Barber. Welcome, Daniel. You're on the line. What's on your mind, brother? Hi, I just wanted to share a testimony about Virgin Most Powerful Radio. I had a buddy at work who, you know, he's a lukewarm Catholic guy, and I wanted him to start listening to the Terry and Jesse show, so I kept telling him to download the app, and he kept putting me off. So one day, I grabbed his phone, and I downloaded the app <laughs> for him. I went on vacation, and you know, I kept telling him to listen to it. He was kind of putting me off. I came back from vacation. He comes to my cubicle and he says to me, hey man, I've been listening to Terry and Jesse's show and it's great. And it's uh, made a big impact in his life. The guy, he's going to weekly adoration a couple of times a wow. week. He goes to the mass in the morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's an on fire Catholic and he promotes uh, the Terry and Jesse show and the Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Wow, Daniel, what a testimony. And I want to encourage our listeners to get those cards by going to virginmostpowerfulradio.org and uh, do what Daniel's doing. Go out and spread the faith by inviting people to listen to Virgin Most Powerful. Daniel, thanks for your testimony, brother. God love you. You're welcome. Hi, this is Eddie Chavez, host of Jesus 911. I want to take this opportunity to let you, our listeners, know about an event being held here at the Sacred Heart Chapel in Covina. We will be celebrating the Feast of St. Michael the Archangel on September 28th, 2019, beginning at 9 o'clock with Mass in the morning and talks to follow. Ruben Nava and myself will be speaking, so come and hear us talk about St. Michael and Our Lady. Come join us. We'll see you there. or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites the Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow! That's 80%! Realestateforlife.org 877-LIFE-US-1 This is Jesse Romero. You're listening to Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. So thank you, Jesse. So a little further instruction here from the scriptures on how we're supposed to live. And how is that? We're in Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians, first letter to Thessalonians, chapter 4, verses 1 through 9, or 1 through 8, I guess it is. But anyway, what we're, we're not going to read the whole thing, but here it is. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus Christ. So these instructions are through the apostles, but they're from the Lord. And it's only, he's speaking through the apostles. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. So we need to ask about everything that we do, think, do, and say, and or don't think, do, and say, is it helping me to be sanctified, to be closer to the Lord, more like the Lord? That each one of you abstain from immorality. Oh, <gasps> Yeah, everyone abstain for immorality. But that's not possible, the world says. We can't do that. We're just animals. We have to give 
well, really? That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the heathen who do not know God, that no man transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we solemnly forewarned you. For God has not called us for uncleanness, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. So we are called to live a holy life like God, and we're called to live a moral life, a chaste life, a virtuous life. And you know, honey, the Vatican II Council that sometimes people say, oh, they were all mixed up. You know what the clarion call of the Vatican II Council was? Universal holiness. Personal the, holiness. Holiness. Everyone's called to Not it. just the priest. Many years before we were around, people said, oh, it was just the priest or the sisters that were called to holiness. We, we can't do that. Wrong. Right. We can't. And you know one guy that was ahead of his time? The Legion of Mary, Frank Duff. Frank Duff. What was his point back Frank, in 1920? The, the, the Legion of Mary, the, the mm-hmm. um, primary purpose of the Legion. Yeah. Its primary purpose is, is not evangelization. Its primary purpose is the sanctification of the individual members. And these are lay people mm-hmm. in the church who are doing the work of evangelization. This was 1919. Yep. You know, or 1920, mm-hmm. Frank Duff founded the Legion in Ireland. And the purpose was the sanctification of the individual because he Very realized, difficult. right, he, he realized and recognized that if we're going to spread the gospel, and that's, that's the clarion call for every single mm-hmm. baptized Christian mm-hmm. to spread the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, then we have to be in union with Christ. We have to be connected to him. We have to be living a holy life. And you know what's interesting about that? There was even a pagan way back when, before the time of Christ, a Greek. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Now, what was his name? Socrates. Do you remember mm-hmm. the Socratic oh, yeah. method? Yep. Socrates said, God is one and he transcends all of us. And if we want to know him, we have to live a virtuous life. So even this pagan who lived in a pagan society where there was rampant homosexuality rejected all forms of immoral behavior. He was faithful to his wife. He didn't engage in homosexual behavior. And he said, if we want to know God, we have to live a disciplined, virtuous life. This was a man. And this is since you see some things we can know just by the use of our human reason. Mm -hmm. And we're all called to live that way. And we can. And that's read those passages in the scriptures that we mentioned today. And we're going to go on to talk now about Paul and the Acts of the Apostles, the Acts of the Holy Spirit here. We're going to finish up. We're in chapter 20. And what happens here is that Paul is leaving Macedonia now and he's going on and he's, he's, he's headed for Jerusalem. He wants to go to Jerusalem and, you know, different things along the way. But um, and there's a there's a list of people who came with him. And so, but he, he told them that he's going to be leaving him. And so Paul is giving a sermon and they're on the third story of a building and he's talking and it's late at night and he keeps talking and talking and talking and talking and talking and talking. See, sometimes it's okay to talk. <laughs> Paul preached way into the night and there was a young man who was sitting in a windowsill Oops, up in a comes. window, you know, and yeah, and, and, and Paul is talking And as he prolonged his speech until midnight, and then later on, even beyond midnight, this young man, Eutychius, he fell 
out of the third story window. Fell asleep. He fell asleep. And when he fell asleep, he fell out of the third story window. And he's down on the ground there. And he's, oh, he's dead. And Paul comes down and he embraces him. And he says, no, the life is still in him. Well, the life was put back in him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and this is, Paul Paul is, um, but but do you see how they just, this constant um, wanting to know the truth, okay? Wanting to know the truth. And so um, this was on the first day of the week, by the way, when we gathered together to break bread. Paul talked with them. So this is, they gathered, Paul is leaving them. They gathered together on the first day of the week to break bread. And there's some beautiful commentary here. St. Bede said that, you know, the first day of the week, that means the Lord's day, the Sabbath. It's the day after the Sabbath. The Lord's day is the first day of the week, the day on which Jesus rose from the dead. We gather to celebrate our mysteries, St. Bede says. And then St. Justin Martyr explains, what are these mysteries that we gather to celebrate? We call this food the Eucharist, of which only he can partake who has acknowledged the truth of our teaching, who has been cleansed by baptism for the remission of his sins and for his regeneration, and who regulates his life upon the principles laid down by Christ. So again, what we talked about in the last section of the of this program, that we have to regulate our life according to what Christ has taught us. And we're not supposed to partake of the Eucharist if we're conscious of having commit a serious moral evil. We're supposed to go to confession first. Why? Because the Eucharist is really Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity, under the appearance of bread and wine. And St. Paul warns us in his letter to the Corinthians, chapter 10, that to eat the body and blood of the Lord unworthily is to be guilty of the blood of the Lord, that is guilty of killing Christ. Yes. And it's also condemnation to us. So it's not everyone who can come to the Eucharist. We can't just invite everyone. They, first of all, and this is St. Justin Martyr, an early father of the church, so from the beginning, they they need to acknowledge the truth of our teaching. So people have to know what the church teaches, and they have to acknowledge that. So if you receive the Eucharist, you have to know that this is Jesus Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity, under the appearance of bread and wine. And that's you have to acknowledge that and receive that. Can I interrupt you, Mary? Yes. Because at this time of history, this is biblical time, but we have uh, the Pew Research report that shows about 70% of Catholics don't even believe in the real presence, which is sad. But I think this teaching of the Bible <clears throat> about... Uh, receiving Holy Communion in the state of grace right. is so important. And if you have people who you have relatives or friends, have them listen to this podcast so that they will be informed because, unfortunately, this isn't being taught a lot at the church level. Exactly. And having people say, hey, you know, if you have mortal sin in your soul, you shouldn't be coming up for Holy Communion. Absolutely. Go to confession. We'll make it available. Right. And I think this is our point is we need to inform people because I believe also a lack of of people's belief in the real presence relates also to a lack of denial of sin. See, the two go together, in my humble opinion. Right, exactly. We we deny the sin and we say, well, God's all forgiving. He forgives it. You know, no, we have to ask forgiveness. You know, it's not just, oh, well, I did that. It's over with. Um, I don't have to say anything. No, I'm sorry. You know, there 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 was a, well, Jesus, mercy, Mary, help, a terrible movie that came out when we were in high school back in the 70s called Love Story. And the famous line from it, everybody was saying at the time, love is never having to say you're sorry. Well, there's a truth to that. It's a two-edged sword. The truth is 
you would never have to say you were sorry if you never did anything to offend the one you love. And, and when you love someone, you don't want to offend them. Mm-hmm. So you try hard not to offend them. But you know what? To say love is never to having to say you're sorry is to deny that we're human beings because we do offend people. And when we offend people, yes, we do have to say we're sorry. So this is one of the you know subtle lies that crept into culture that, oh, I never have to say I'm sorry. Well, that's not true. Because we are human. It would be wonderful if I lived such a life that I never offended anyone and never had to say I was sorry because I didn't offend anyone. But you know what? The reality is that I'm human and I have a body and I do offend people and I offend God. And I do have to say I'm sorry. As a matter of fact, Carl Menninger, in his memoirs, Whatever Became of Sin, writes that 90% of all the mental illness he was familiar with was traceable to the loss of sense of sin. And he goes on to explain that God is real, and he really loves us. So when we sin, we offend someone who truly loves us. And Menninger was not a Christian. Jewish. He was Jewish. He believed in God, but he wasn't a Christian. And he said, and therefore the guilt that is produced by sin is real guilt. We need to say we're sorry. So yeah, and this is not, again, I don't want to represent my opinion here. This is St. Justin Martyr, one of the fathers of the church, early fathers of the church, in his apology, and he says, yeah, the Eucharist, it's, it's, it's Christ really present, and it's, it's we're thanking God, and we receive the Eucharist. We don't take the Eucharist. We don't have a right to take our Lord. Our Lord gives himself freely. We're supposed to receive. We are recipients. But we have to make sure that we know the teachings of the church and we accept them, and we also have to make sure that we have been cleansed from original sin by baptism and that we have experienced regeneration and the remission. If you know we're adults and we're baptized, then that's the remission of all of our sins up to that point. And then we have to regulate our life upon the principles laid down by Christ. Not my opinion. Okay. This is what the church has always taught from the beginning. Justin Martyr was in the second century, very close to, to the apostles and to Christ. So, that was the first day of the week that they had met. And then Paul raises this young man from the dead. Again, that's the only instance that we have recorded of St. Paul raising someone from the dead. Mm-hmm. But that's it. And, and it's, it's a sign. What's interesting is that was St. Bede said that that was a sign that the preaching of Paul gives life to the souls because Paul is preaching what Christ preached. He's preaching Christ, and that gives life to the soul. And so God was God gave life to this young man as a sign that, yes, Paul is preaching the true gospel. And so then um, Paul is going to leave. He's leaving for um, Jerusalem, and he takes leave of the people in Miletus, and he gives this long speech in Acts 20, verses 18 to the end. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about this after the break. So thank you so much for joining us on Bible with the Barbers. If you can join me for Bible study tonight, we'll go into this more in depth. There's a lot here, a whole lot here that I'm not going to be able to do in just this short radio program. And that's at 7 p.m. tonight. And then again on Thursday at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. There you go. So join us there. We'll be back in a moment. Ernesto from Long Beach. You know, I just wanted to comment, you know, and I just wanted to thank you guys. And I kind of wanted to encourage people that are listening, maybe that are 
not donating, you know, because honestly, I got to be honest, I used to think you guys were a little too over the top, time, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. You That's know, right. If God gave us a lot, you know, and I'm, I have the blessing of listening to all this, I just want to call all the people, you know, I got five kids, you know, and I don't make a lot of money, and I'm still donating to you guys. God bless you, brother. You're amazing. We gotta. We have to do this. We have to do the extra. And it's not even the extra. People see it like it's extra. Kneeling for communion, saying your rosary, saying the Divine Mercy Chaplet. It is not extra. It's what the church tells us to do. Amen. You're a good man, brother. I love it. Jesus said in Luke 17, When you have done all that you were ordered to do, say, We are unprofitable servants. We have only done our duty. According to St. John of the Cross, God is pleased with the little deeds we do in secret. He takes more pleasure in these than in a multitude of grand works that we may do out of the desire to be seen by others. May God help us to do the things that please Him, and not just to appear great in the eyes of others. selling your home or your business property this is terry barber real estate for life underwrites the terry and jesse show and they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world and when they receive their referral fee they will give 80 percent of it to a pro-life organization wow that's 80 percent real estate for life.org 877-LIFE-US-1 Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Well, welcome back to Bible with the Barbers. And we are looking at this point at uh, Acts 28, verses 18, 17 through the end, actually. Seven, um, seven, verses 17 through 35, I believe it is. 38. There are 38 verses in this chapter. And what's happened here is Paul is he's on his way to Jerusalem, and so he's not he's not going to go back to Ephesus, but he's he's at Miletus because he's at he wants to stay close to the where he can catch a ship to get to Jerusalem because he wants to be in Jerusalem uh, for Pentecost. He wants to be there on time for the Pentecost celebration. So he sends for the elders of the church of Ephesus to come and meet him at Miletus so that he can say goodbye to them. He wants to say farewell to them. And what he does is in this speech that he gives to them, he um, talks about how he behaved while he was among them and how he acted, how he lived. And what is it that he does? Well, he says that you yourselves know how I lived among you at all the times from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials which befell me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and Greeks of repentance to God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem. And so he's 
he lived a life of imitation of Christ. He doesn't shrink for a moment to preach the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he lives, he didn't make himself dependent on the people. Paul was a tent maker, and he supported himself by the work of his own hands. So he would preach during the day, and at night he would make tents as a means to support himself. So he was spending himself completely in the service of the gospel for the sake of the salvation of souls. And the first word is repent. We always have to give up our sins and repent. And so Paul um, is, is telling us that in our public life and in our hidden life, everything is about love, loving Christ, seeing Christ as the center of our life, and putting our, and then seeing our neighbor as someone to be loved for the sake of Christ and be brought to Christ so that they too can know the love of God poured out for them in Christ Jesus our Lord. And it's interesting because Paul doesn't just spend all his time praying. He doesn't multiply prayers. And when he has to work, he works. He makes his tents. And St. Francis de Sales tells us that, you know, it's not about multiplying devotion. Our relationship with God is supposed to be a relationship of love. God has not made perfection to lie in the number of acts we do to please him, but in the way in which we do them. That way is to do the little we have to do according to our calling. That is to do it in love. And this is how Paul always acted, in love. And in his letter to the Corinthians, he'll talk about that. What is love? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not put on errors. It is not proud. It is not haughty. It is not jealous. And love believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. Out of love, are we willing to endure the sufferings that come? Or are we going to complain and say, no, I'm not going to do that? So we have to do it all in love, through love and for love. And St. Catherine of Siena understood our Lord to have said to her, I reward every good which is done, great or small, according to the measure of love of him who receives the reward. So every good that we do, God will reward, but he rewards it according to the measure of love with which we did it. So how much do we love? And so this is, this is our striving, is to live this life of love, this relationship. Remember, in the, if, if you were just tuning in, you didn't hear it, but if you can go back and listen to the beginning of the podcast where we talked about um, who, we, who do we want to become, what kind of persons. And human beings are made to be in relationship, and it's a relationship of love. And love doesn't use the beloved. Love doesn't seek its own good. Love seeks the true good of the beloved, and the true good, of course, of all of us is that union with God that we're all called to. And so Paul is reminding the elders of Ephesus, the priests and the bishops in Ephesus that he had appointed, this love, this love that we're called to live. And of course, it's Christ's love. It's to let Christ live in us so that, was it Paul would later say, I live now, not I, but Christ lives in me. So that it is Christ living in and through me. And this fullness of the love that we're called to. And so he has this humility, this tremendous humility. He's not about drawing attention to himself. It's about Christ. It's about teaching the people about Jesus Christ, bringing them to Christ, 
for the purpose of love. Because we were made by love, we were made for love, we were made to live in love, and our final goal is to be in love with God for all eternity. We have to begin that now. As Mother Angelica used to say, honey, death isn't going to change your will. It's only going to solidify it. If you're not loving God now, do you think you're going to start loving God at the moment of your death? No. You need to begin now. And by the way, the first movement of love, according to St. Francis de Sales, for the human being is to be able to see good in the beloved and will to take delight in it. Well, look at the good creation that God has made. Look at the beauty and the truth and the order of creation that God made. Can you see that that's good and that the person who made it must be good and say, I will to take delight in it? Well, then that's the first movement of love. My God, I see the goodness in you, and I will to take delight in the good that I see. Can you see the goodness in a God who would give up everything for us, who would die to save us from our sins? When we were still his enemies, Christ Jesus died for us. Is this love or is it not? My God, I see how good you are, and I will to take delight in the good that I see. And this is what St. Paul is telling the, the leaders of the church at Ephesus. He had founded the church at Ephesus. So he's encouraging them to be faithful, to be firm in their belief, and to be firm in their following of Christ. And yes, it can get hard. And, you know, it's like, oh yeah, I can do that for a year. I can do that for a day. I can whatever. But no, and it's not, it's not a length of time. It's, I do that this moment. And when the next moment comes, I do it this moment. It's one moment at a time. And then those moments add up. And however long God decides that our life should be, be it short or long. There were saints who died when they were 15 years old. There were saints who died younger. St. Jacinta and St. Francisco Marto weren't even, they weren't even teenagers yet. They were, let's see, Jacinta was six and Francisco was seven when Our Lady appeared to them and they died within a couple of years. So before they were 10 years old, they both died. Now, Sister Lucy, the third seer at Fatima, She lived to be late in her 90s. I think she lived to be 97. So she'd seen Our Lady and then she had to live in this exile and she just waited and she was faithful. She was a Carmelite nun praying in in solitude and seclusion for the world. And so asking the Lord to pour out his mercy and blessings upon them. So we don't know. I mean, there are saints who died. The holy innocents are considered saints of the Catholic Church. They were little baby boys that weren't even, you know, two years of age and under. And they're saints. And then they're also saints from, you know, every, every walk of life at every age, people have died, you know, 15, 24, 36, 33, just, and, and then there, you have the, the ones who lived into their nineties or their seventies or their eighties. And yeah, there are saints of every age. So there's no limit on, you know, it's like, oh, well, I'm 70 years old now. I haven't died. I guess I'm never going to be a saint. No, Don't give up. Keep asking the Lord every day to make you a saint. And this is what St. Paul did. It's that perseverance in humility and trusting in the Lord. That humility allows us to trust in the Lord no matter what. Did Paul suffer? You bet he suffered. Read the Acts of the Apostles. He was shipwrecked. He was beaten with rods. He was beaten, you know, 40 lashes less one. He was imprisoned. He was shipwrecked on the night. He was a night and day on the sea. He was bit by a a viper. Everybody thought he was going to die. And he just suffering, you know, with in, in hunger and cold and exposed to the elements, exposed to danger from robbers. And he did all of this 
for the love of God, to spread the love of God. And he does it in love. And so he tells the leaders of Ephesus that he's, he testified to everyone and he never shrunk. Night and day he preached the gospel. And even late into the night he preached. And we need to be faithful to the Lord. And he warns the leaders of Ephesus and he tells them, I'm innocent of the conscience of every single man because I never shrunk from preaching the gospel. You see, we have to pray for our priests and bishops. They have a great responsibility. If they shrink from preaching the gospel to us, we will suffer because we won't know the gospel and then we may fall into error and commit sin. But they will suffer too because they're going to be responsible for the conscience. So we need to pray mightily for our priests and bishops. Paul said, I'm innocent of the blood of you all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. We can't tell people it's okay to live in your sin. This is not what God wants for you. It degrades you as a human person. You are a human person made in God's image. You're not an animal. You can live a life free of sin with the grace of God. Are you asking for it every day? We can do this. And so Paul doesn't have to be responsible for anybody's conscience because he never, never told people, oh, it's okay if you live in your sin. He said, no, repent, repent, repent. Turn away from your sin. And if you fall again, well, then go to confession. Turn back to God. Repent again. Be serious in your following. And then he also warned the leaders that after he left, fierce wolves would come among the flock, not sparing it, to tear you apart and to cause dissension. So we need to pray for the grace of unity within the church. And that unity has to come from true charity. You know, people like to say, well, I believe in God's mercy. And so I don't focus so much on the justice. Well, here's the deal. In God, mercy and justice are the same attribute. They're not separate. You cannot have justice without mercy. But at the same time, you cannot have mercy without justice. Mercy is that willingness to forgive those who have repented of their sins. And God is willing to forgive us, but are we willing to repent? Are we willing to change our lives? And this is what St. Paul preached. The change of life that's necessary, repent and believe the gospel. That was the first thing Jesus said, repent and believe the gospel. So Paul wasn't inventing his own gospel. He wasn't creating his own morality. So remember that and be faithful to the Lord, be faithful to the gospel, pray every day for the gift of final perseverance and pray every day for more faith, hope and charity and ask God to, to return to us, O Lord, a sense of sin and the sensitivity of the saints. Help us to know our sins and truly repent of them. Go to confession. Every month, go to confession. Go to church every day and make a visit to Jesus. If you can, go to daily Mass. When you go to Mass on Sunday, go early and spend time with our Lord. If you love someone, you're going to want to spend time with them. And our faith is about a relationship with someone who loves us. So let's spend time with Him. Thank you for joining us on Bible with the Barbers. Please, God, we'll be back again next week with more. And if you can join us for Bible study tonight at 7, great to see you there. St. Faustina's Prayer for Priests O my Jesus, I beg thee on behalf of the whole Church, grant it love and the light of thy Spirit, and give power to the words of priests, so that hardened hearts might be brought to repentance and return to thee, O Lord. Lord, give us holy priests. Thou thyself maintain them in holiness. O divine and great High Priest, may the power of thy mercy accompany them everywhere and protect them from the devil's traps and snares, 
which are continually being set for the souls of priests. May the power of thy mercy, O Lord, shatter and bring to naught all that might tarnish the sanctity of priests. For thou canst do all things. Amen. Virgin most powerful, pray for us. Virgin Most Powerful Radio, sharing the gospel with clarity and charity.